0: Mick Clifford, was that a little sniff I heard there? Do you have the man flu, Mick?
1: No, no, no. I'm past all that, Jonathan. I'm a fine specimen of a man now these days.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm not in the same studio as you, so I can't vouch for it, (laughs) but let's listen to the last few days. With the Labour Party, the backbenchers and myself and I know an awful lot of other ministers are very much opposed to the sale of Erlingus.
1: I've never heard of a situation where a woman took exception to a compliment on her appearance, on her dress, or on her shoes, or on her hairstyle. In my constituency I have many women who support me at election time because they know I treat women with courtesy and respect. When it
0: comes to the point that they're they're buying a house might be a little bit later, but they may end up for the rest of their lives much less indebted than they would otherwise be if, if we hadn't uh, gone down this road of making sure that we have a well-functioning and stable property market. What I said to the journalist, and it's been confirmed with the journalist since, is that I defended the right of people to protest, including their right to protest against the president, when I explicitly and strongly criticised any personal abuse that was directed against
1: uh, the president. The point is, I mean, tactically... This is not the way we're going to fight the water charges.
0: OK, Mick, uh, let's uh, talk about, uh, I suppose you could call them in many ways sacred cows, I use it in, in a loose way. The President and the Corla, two people in positions that were thought to have been beyond the reach of political or indeed wider criticism, both of whom um, have been strongly criticised by some quarters this week. I mean, in the case of what's happening in the Dáil, it's certainly not personal abuse, it's, it's, it's more of a, a fundamental issue for Sinn Féin and for Fianna Fáil. But does Sean Barrett now have to come back and, even though he tried to address it today, address this matter further about blocking that debate on Kevin Monahan.
1: Yeah, there's certainly an issue around the Jonathan. I mean, in, in in the first instance, I think, certainly, from wh- where I'm looking, I don't think it would be fair to say that Sean Barrett acted in bad faith or that he acted in a manner to facilitate what was effectively a petition from Alan Shatter. I don't think that's the case. I think it's more a case of he got this from Alan Shatter, this letter, first of all, Mr Shatter asking that he be removed from the terms of reference and then attempting to stifle any debate on the terms of reference. It would seem that Sean Barrett got legal advice that told him that there could be a potential issue of the separation of powers that if they were debating something in the Dáil that was likely to come up in the High Court. Now... Where I would take issue with him is who's to say that that legal advice is infallible? All he needed but to do... Who,
0: the, the, but no legal advice is infallible. I mean, Paul McLaughlin yeah. on this programme said we have to go and ask the High Court judges in question. That would be completely unprecedented and you're really blurring the lines
1: of separation of power there. I think so. And, you know, all you have to do is look at the most recent past, the banking inquiry. There are a number of High Court actions pending and some in train over the banking collapse that had no effect on setting up that inquiry. Go back into some of the church scandals. Go back to the Morris Tribunal. Uh, from recollection, the McBurties already had a High Court action in train when that was set up. Never before did any of that pose a, a, a roadblock to debating these issues in the Dáil. And I'd have to say, more than the Kion Córle, I think it is very unfortunate that Alan Shatter, somebody who has on and off spent 30 years in the Dáil, would make a move like this and it is, uh, it is of a piece that since he resigned, he obviously feels he got a raw deal and he has moved heaven and earth to try and, as he would see it, correct the record and this is one part of it, I think he's doing it at the expense of stifling uh, democratic debate on these terms of reference.
0: Uh, Mihal Martin has called for the Corla to review what he said this morning about Fianna Fáil out to undermine him. He has taken a serious issue with that. Sinn Féin obviously have, have deeper issues with Sean Barrett. Uh, if there is a motion of no confidence, that will easily be defeated. But will it be a, a, another episode in undermining the authority of this particular Corla? And where will that leave the doll?
1: Yeah, I, I think there's no doubt about it. Um, I mean, Sean Barrett himself in an interview this morning brought up that issue, suggesting that there were attempts to undermine him. Now, if Keogh Coral is doing that, and there was, as you said, was the previous issue with Sinn Féin, that automatically brings stuff like that into play. Is he going to look for a vote of confidence? I mean, it, I don't think a vote of confidence, it would be sufficient that just because the government have a majority, they vote him true. If you have all the opposition voting against him, I think that would be a serious, serious blow to... um to his prospects and it's something that you know I think he's he, he's had a tough time of it I think there have been issues around with Sinn Féin in particular whereby he's been given a tough time of it uh, I don't think he, he's done a particularly bad job at all and okay. it would be a shame to see it go further than it's necessary I think the real focus and this one is on the wrong man and I think the real focus Mr. Shattered every right to do what he did but one would question his judgement in doing so and any fidelity he might think he retains towards um, the doll a forum for democratic debate.
0: OK, uh, the interview with Patrick McLaughlin, by the way, Sinn Féin, the Justice Spokesperson, is up on our website, newstalk.com. The central bank rules, uh, a lot of discussion about them. I, the way I'm seeing it now, Mick, is that, yes, maybe we need to change our culture of home ownership in this country, but CSO figures yesterday showed 70% of people do own their own home. Have we effectively just turned round to the people in their 20s and 30s who don't own their home here and said, sorry, kids, uh, there's no space for ye in this club. Enjoy renting.
1: Yeah, to a certain extent, I'd agree with you there, Jonathan, and it's just one more blow to that generation who I think have burdened far more than their fair share during this recession and and, and the whole... I should qualify that,
0: yeah, the the ones who are still here are being told. Uh,
1: Precisely, yeah, yeah. Now, you know, and I think there's a big issue there. If we're turning around to people, particularly people in their 20s and 30s, and saying that on the basis that we want to prevent what happened before happening again, that this is necessary... If it is deemed necessary to do that and you can see purely from a fiscal or economic point why that might be the case, then there is an obligation to change the whole nature of the people, uh, of the circumstances in which people rent properties. If you're putting it to people that they're going to have to rent long term, we need to look completely again at the whole thing, the, the the imbalance of power in particular between property owners and tenants, the whole issue of long term security, the issue of controls that people can't just next year suddenly rent balloons. All of that has to be put on the table. And unfortunately, and you can go right back to 73 and the Kenny report about development land, it would seem that the lobby for property owners is so strong and their position apparently, we're told, so secure in the constitution that those issues won't be tackled. And that, I think, if we're going down the route of what uh, Professor Honan wants to do, that is a serious, serious issue. Just to finish up,
0: I I don't think either of us have ever been described as good-looking men when it came to getting a job. (laughs) Thankfully, it wasn't a criteria uh, when we were looking for work over the years.
1: You've a great face for radio there, Jonathan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's why I'm here, says you. Um, But when we're looking at the comment, Michael Lowry on the programme this week, and at least he came out and responded to the criticism, which I suppose some politicians might not have done. He was suggesting on this programme that the reaction to that line Uh, Not bad looking either in this note, uh, asking for Valerie O'Reilly to be reappointed to the board of the NTA. He said it was political correctness gone mad. Now, I disagree with him because I don't think it's political correctness gone mad because he shouldn't have put it down there. It should have been Valerie O'Reilly does a very good job. Will you consider reappointing her?
1: Jonathan, any time I hear that phrase, political correctness gone mad, alarm bells go off because it's so hackneyed and so used in such a wrong context. They're,
0: political, they're politically correct alarm bells though, you have to
1: I, well. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that at all. No, listen, this has nothing to do with paying somebody a compliment. That's garbage. He was talking to a third party. Put put another scenario. Can you imagine Michael Lowry writing to a female Taoiseach and saying, uh, Dear Taoiseach, would a fine looking woman like you not give a job to this friend of mine who's a, who's a great cut of a man because he's deal for it. Could you imagine a scenario like that? It has as much to do with the hierarchies of power and politics as anything else, and there's nothing politically correct or incorrect around any of it.
0: Of course the main point being here that this was a note that was never supposed to see the light of day except it ended up in the hand of a journalist and, and, and the Michael big point Larry there to
1: defend it. The big point there of course is appointments to state boards. That was what behind the whole thing. And and the nature of a note, you can that, that is not FOIable to put it in that phrase. It would never would have come out under freedom of information.
0: And of course, if Valerie O'Reilly is eventually reappointed to the board of the NTA, it'll be on her merits, not on this consideration. But, you know, everyone will now be asking the question and trying to find out just what those merits were, which seems very unfair on her specifically, because she's not the only person who is being looked at to be put back onto a state board. And McClifford, we'll park it there as always. We'll talk to you next week. I might pay a compliment then, all right? Good man, Jonathan.